Crossroads, good evening. It is such an honor to be with you guys tonight. I know that a lot has changed since we've last been together. Uh, I am now a father to two children. I have a three and a half year old and a nine month old. And right now, uh, my beautiful wife's watching online. So shout out to my wife, Vivian and Selah, who are watching right now. But before we get started, I, I wanna just uh, uh, give honor to where honors due. First of all, Pastor Chuck, if you're buying burgers, I'm all in. Uh, but let's, uh, let's just give honor to our senior pastor. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this service tonight. And thank you for leading us through these crazy times right now and leading the entire church. Right now, do me a favor, uh, just fill the chat with how much you appreciate our senior pastor. Come on, just fill it out. Give him a shout out if you want. Just go ahead and tweet him. And Chuck, we love you and thank you so much for, for having us here. Uh, but I wanna do is, uh, what I wanna do is I wanna pray and I wanna start our time together that way, Lord. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. I just, uh, I love our church and I thank you that we have um, uh, such a huge responsibility in our community. And uh, the fact that you're using the church to impact so many lives is amazing. I pray that tonight, Lord, you would just be glorified, that people would see Jesus. I pray for those that are watching right now online, God, that they would know uh, that they have extreme value as uh, that's the topic of tonight and uh, just the way that you view people. So I pray, God, that that's what they see in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So, how many of you guys are competitive? Uh, I have a paintball gun right here. Uh, several years ago, I actually went with a bunch of friends. We went paintballing, but here's the thing. When we go paintballing, it's like the real deal, okay? We are super competitive. I mean, we got the face max going on, the, the face paint going on, the hoppers full of paint, uh, the hand grenades, and, and it's just, it's the real deal. We're super competitive, and we go to this exhibit with all of our friends, and we're there, and we're playing all day, and um, before, the, before one of our rounds ends, I remember clearly that uh, we're, we're approaching the other team. And I'm like running behind trees and I'm trying to hide. And I notice that one of the other team members is shooting, but nothing is coming out of his gun. He's shooting blanks. So I'm running and I'm making sure that no one else is seeing me. And I, and I run up and I point my gun to him and he raises his hand in surrender. And he has his hands up and he's like, don't shoot, don't shoot. He's out of paint. And I'm like, I don't want the game to end so fast. So I run up to him. I said, hey, don't worry about it. I grab one of my hoppers and, uh, and I fill his gun full of paint. And I said, look, run the other way. I'm going to take off this way. I don't want this round to end right away. I want us to keep playing. He's like, all right, all right, all right. So he takes off and he runs one way and uh, I take off the other way. And 10 seconds later, I hear this whistle. Shoo! Wham, I get hit on the back of my neck and it's like slow motion. I look up like who just shot me? And I turn around and it's the guy that I just gave my paint to. Now, I'd love to say that I pulled the Jesus card and I chose humility and I turned the other cheek, but that's not what I did. I turned around and I just unloaded on this guy. I totally retaliated because this guy, he had what was coming to him. But isn't it true that deep down inside, every single one of us, we have this disposition that when someone hurts us or someone is in disagreement with us or, or we're not seeing eye to eye with someone that we want them to pay? 
We want them to pay because they don't agree with us. I mean, look at our world today. In our world, there's always been problems and disagreements and conflict. Certainly, there's a, a multitude of different perspective and, uh, perspectives and experiences. We've all dealt with conflict. In fact, look at what Jesus says about conflict. He says, woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to that man whom this, uh, through whom the stumbling block comes. Jesus says, it is inevitable, uh, uh, meaning, in other words, uh, being offended is something we will all experience. Now, to quote the famous Taylor Swift, uh, in other words, haters are gonna hate, right? Uh, we are all going to have haters at some point. It's not possible for us to escape it. There is no way to avoid it. We're going to get hurt. We're going to get angry because someone will do us wrong or not be in agreement with us. I mean, it's going to come from family members. It'll come from friends and coworkers, parents, boyfriend, or a girlfriend. Uh, we're going to get offended. Welcome to church tonight. What an encouraging message. And if you don't think that's true, let's just look at some of the hot topics in our culture today. It's going to come up in the screen, but I want you to look at this. You got the red state. In the blue state, because they're always in agreement, right? You have the Republican and Democrats because they never disagree. And then you got one side that says, wear a mask. Then you got the other one that says, don't wear a mask. You are trying to control me. I know my rights, right? Uh, how about this one? Open up the economy. No, 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 it's too soon. Let's shelter in place. Defund the police. No, no, we need to defend the police, uh, black lives matter. No, uh, you're mistaken. All lives matter. Uh, what about this one? When it comes to vaccines, some people say, no, you need to vaccinate. Other people's like, no, 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 no. Uh, I'm anti-vaccines. Uh, and, and the people that are for vaccines are like, wait, you're going to get everyone sick. And the people that are anti-vaccines are like, we're the ones that should be concerned. We're the ones that aren't vaccinated. You shouldn't be worried about it. Then you got gun control and the Second Amendment, people are like, we want, we want control on our guns. Other people's like, I want my rights. That's our Second Amendment. We got rights to that. What about this one? This is the most controversial statement, right? Angel fans and Dodger fans, right? We got to pray for all you Angel fans because I'm a Dodger fan. No, I'm not an Angel hater, but I am a Dodger fan. But there isn't an agreement in that, is there? Right? And, and Jesus says, it is inevitable at some point, you and I, we're not going to see eye to eye with someone. We're going to get offended. We will have conflict. And if that's the case, so how do we manage? Tonight, we're gonna look at a story in John chapter four, and we're going to discover how to take God's perspective on controversial issues. And we're gonna learn how God's value system produces a peace and his perspective is our only hope for reconciliation. But I want to set this up for you guys. I want to give you guys some context of what's going on in John chapter 4. Because Jesus, from the moment that he began to teach his disciples, he began to try to change the way they thought. He wanted to change their mindset, their thought process, because they would categorize people. I mean, they would put people in so many different categories. You had the saints and the sinners. 
Jews, Gentiles, people were holy and unholy. And they got so caught up in their categories that oftentimes their traditions and their views would outweigh God's commandments and it would lead them to dehumanizing people. And they needed to understand that there weren't different categories of people. And Jesus wanted them to know that every single person has value. By the way, if you're watching for the first time and you're not a Christ follower, I want you to know that Jesus wants you to know that you have value and that he matters to, uh, that you matter to him because every person has value. But the disciples don't get it. And in this section of scripture, Jesus takes his disciples on a 45 mile road trip to a place called Samaria. And in John chapter four, verse one, it picks up here. It says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. Right here in this first passage, we're introduced to the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they believe that John was a prophet and they were against Jesus because Jesus was a threat to them. He was taking away their influence and he had gained a huge following. And Jesus picks up on this. So he leaves and he goes all the way back to Galilee. And you, you look at John chapter four, verse four, it says this, it says, and he had to pass through Samaria. This word right here is pretty interesting because uh, not only was Jesus going to Samaria, it says he had to be there. Uh, the word here, it simply means that he was under necessity and um, it's, it's the, uh, this idea of that you must, you have to. In other words, Jesus was compelled. Something inside of him told him that he needed to be in Samaria. Now, this is a big deal because um, this would have been so uncomfortable for the disciples because Jews would never go to Samaria. In fact, history tells us that there were actually two roads that led to Galilee. One of them was the Jewish road. The other one was the Samaritan road. And the Jewish, uh, the Jewish people, just to avoid the Samaritans, what they would do is they would take the Jewish road. They would go all the way around Samaria and avoid it. And they would add an entire week to their journey just to not walk through Samaria. Why? Because people from Samaria were considered some of the lowest of the lowest people. Samaritans, they were half-breeds. They were half-Jew, half-Gentile. They had their own unique uh, set of Jewish beliefs, their own place of worship, their own religious system. And in their, their opinion, their worship and their, their way of worshiping God was the true religion. They based it on the Samaritan Pentateuch and they said, no, we preserved it. Jews were exiled. You guys went to this foreign land and you contaminated the religion. Uh, and there was so much resentment between the Samaritans and the Jews because the Jews said, no, my way to worship God is better. No, my way is the right way. And there was this huge division. And not only that, there was so much racial tension between them. Now, the disciples, they would have known uh, how to view the Samaritans because they knew their heritage. They knew their history. They knew their ethnicity. And ingrained into their mindset was their understanding of the Samaritan people because they were raised not to see Samaritans at their level. In fact, their, their tradition said this, that even the dust of this place was said to make you dirty and a curse before God. Now, man, their culture, it was supercharged with racism, oppression, and bigotry, all which was ingrained into their mindset, even among the Jewish people. 
And Jesus is trying to change this mindset. And he would always put the disciples in places that, that would challenge their way of thinking and places that would make them feel uncomfortable. And this is exactly what he's doing here. And in verse five, it says, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob well, Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from the long walk. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime. They had walked for 45 minutes. Everyone's exhausted. They get there right around lunchtime. The disciples go into the town, a place they would never thought of going to, and they go buy some food. And after a while of Jesus being at this well and the disciples being in the town buying food, we don't know how long, but this woman shows up and she begins to draw water. And in verse seven, it says, it says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to get some Chick-fil-A, right? They were at town, they were buying food and, and Jesus was by himself with this woman. Now they got there at 12 o'clock. Noon was the worst time anyone could get water. If you wanted to get water, you would usually go in the morning when it was cooler or in the evening when it was starting to get even cooler. And coming at noon shows us that this woman was probably trying to avoid the crowds. And she was trying to sneak by so that she would go unnoticed. Later, we're going to find out that this woman actually had a reputation. Uh, she probably had fingers pointed at her. She was probably lonely and isolated. And Jesus shocks her by asking her for a drink of water and he strikes up a conversation with her. The passage says he was compelled to be there. And Jesus, he seeks this woman out in her hour of need because he wants to be with her and have a conversation with her. And this woman's so surprised that she wants to know how Jesus, being a Jew, and her being a Samaritan would even talk to her. Now the tension's probably through the roof in this, in, this, uh, in this moment. Now this woman probably had experienced the pain of racism, the injustice, similar to what we're seeing in our culture today. And she's confused. Wait, wait a second, you're a Jewish man. You're not supposed to be talking to me. Do you know who I am? And in this moment, Jesus is crossing all racial lines. He's breaking all gender lines and he's breaking all of their cultural value norms. And we're in a series called, what would Jesus do about racial injustice? And in this story, we learn exactly how Jesus approached these uncomfortable situations. Tonight, based on this passage, I wanna share three truths with you on how Jesus went about racial reconciliation. The first way he did it is this way. Jesus did it one person at a time. You see, he was so compelled, he was so passionate that he moved heaven and earth just to be with a lonely, isolated woman in her time of need. And he goes out of his way. And Jesus did it one person at a time. If you guys saw Chuck's video earlier with, uh, with Deshaun and Julian, uh, I love it because Julian got it right. He went straight to Deshaun, reached out to him and said, hey, let's have a conversation. Things could get uncomfortable, but you know what? I, I wanna talk around, around some food with you. And he got it right. When it comes to racial reconciliation, guys, the only way you and I are gonna make a difference is by going to people one person at a time. 
time. Now, uh, I know that social media isn't the best platform to have a voice. Uh, we're loud and, 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 and you get drowned out and sometimes people try to make a point more than they do to, uh, try, uh, more than they try to make a difference and, and that's not the way to, uh, to go about racial reconciliation. We can't go to the masses the way Jesus did it was one person at a time. And it's incredible because he makes an impact on this woman's heart. Look at what it says in verse nine. It says, therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan? I'm a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jews didn't have interactions with Samaritans. In fact, rabbis didn't even interact with them at all. And, um, and Samaritan women they, women, they were considered unclean and constantly menstruating. It meant that if a Jewish rabbi or any person would come in contact with them, they would be considered unclean. They wouldn't be able to enter the, the temple. In fact, there was a rabbinic warning that, uh, that warned them against contact with women, with any women, woman, and it was extreme. It says this, it says, he who talks to womankind, he brings evil upon himself, he neglects the study of the law and at last will inherit Gehenna. Wow, that's extreme. If I have contact with a woman, I can go to hell. In fact, there was a Jewish blessing where they would wake up every morning and they would pray out this. Uh, they would say this. They would say, thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile. A Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew because the Jews were the chosen people, right? They were special to God in God's eyes. They still are, uh, but they were the chosen ones. And they say, I praise you, God, that I'm not a Gentile a woman or a slave because deep down in their mindset, they would categorize people. And Jesus always went after this. This is exactly how they would categorize people. You see, in their culture, this was their ladder, right, of, of success. And, um, and in, in their culture, the, the people at the very top of the ladder were the Jewish men. They were to be honored. They were to be respected. They were the ones that studied the, uh, the law, almost practically uh, worshiped in their, in their culture, but not quite, but they were held with highest status. And right under them, were the Jewish women. They, they, weren't looked as, uh, they weren't looked at with value though, not as valuable as the men, but right under them would be the Jewish women, then Jewish children. And I love this because Jesus would interact with all of them. And uh, there's passages in the Bible that said, let the little children come to me because he valued everyone. But right in there, in their mindset, and, and people would be mind blown with that, by the way, uh, Jewish children and then Gentile men. This is where I would be on the rung, uh, men and um, Gentile men, a Gentile is anyone who wasn't a Jew. So the majority of you guys watching online, if you're not Jewish, this is who we are. We're the Gentiles, right? So right under the Jewish children were the Gentile men, then the Samaritan men. Not, not only were, were Samaritan people under the Gentiles, these are the Samaritan men. And not only that, you go further and you got this uh, Gentile and Samaritan women, right? So this this girl that he's interacting with, this woman, she didn't even make the cut. She's way down here. But not only that, we're going to find out later, uh, like I shared with you guys earlier, that this girl, she had a reputation. I mean, she deserves to go to jail because she's promiscuous and, and she's had five husbands and she went from divorce to divorce to divorce, relationship to relationship. Uh, therefore, she was probably way down here on the rung. And um, they would look at her as not human, not worth our time, dehumanized. And as I begin to look at their status and the way that they would categorize people, I'm like, 
okay, if I'm here and I'm a Gentile man, I have a past. I don't even think I'd make the cut here. I mean, my background, I, I, I was involved in gangs, uh, drugs. Uh, I used to steal cars, right? I went to prison for a season and, and uh, I have a past, right? And, and if I were to see myself in this category, I don't even think I would make the first rung. And this is exactly what Jesus is trying to go against, that we shouldn't categorize people. Now, What's my point? I know that for a lot of us, we might not feel as strong as they did about Samaritans, but I could assure you this, a lot of us feel something because isn't it true that when it comes to people who are different than us, we do have a perspective? Maybe for some of us, we look at people that are in gangs or drugs or using drugs or in prison or have a criminal history and we treat them as less than others. They got what they deserve. They should be in jail. Yes, that's justice served. Of course it is. But oftentimes when it comes to people that are different than us, we, we categorize them. And sometimes we feel better about it. Some, someone comes to you with their dirt or their sin and you're like, oh, I'm not that bad. Woo, this is good. And we look at, we look at their life and we look at our, li- at our lives and we're like, man, I'm not as bad as Noah. Uh, praise the Lord, right? And, and we categorize them and it makes us feel better about ourselves. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Every person has value. And he wants us and them to know that people have value regardless of their background, their sin, and their social status because it did not matter what this woman's background was. Because no matter what she did or who she was, she was worth it. And Jesus was compelled to be with her. I don't know about you, but uh, that moves my heart that God would look beyond my sin and look beyond my struggles and see my worth and see my value. Why? Because Jesus loves all people of all ages. That means every single color. By the way, church, if you're watching online tonight, that means he loves you and he values you with a passion. Uh, He sees that your life has meaning and purpose and he wants you to experience the abundance that could only come from knowing him. But here's the problem. Whenever God loves something, there's an evil in our world that hates what God loves. In fact, John chapter 10 says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do that? By instilling fear and hate. He brings confusion. People are being robbed of what really matters. And wouldn't you agree that we're seeing death all around us right now? Uh, man, many of you guys have seen the stories of what's going on with all of the people. And I, I praise God that, that, that we're seeing that there's a, there's a difference being made with, uh, with human trafficking. But man, that is so dark and so evil. And, and there's an evil in our world that is against what God loves and what he's for. And it's Satan. And Satan always tries to distort the image of God in people. He will always try to distort the image of God in a person. And we're seeing that many people are falling into this lie in our culture today. And we're facing this ongoing sin in our country of racism uh, and social injustice. We're watching that in our, uh, be a real thing today. And, and people are so confused. And you got the Black Lives Matter. They do matter, by the way. And, and then you got people that are anti-police. And, and Satan's trying to bring so much confusion and bringing so much division. And when it comes to racism, what we need to understand, racism, it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. 
In fact, Satan will always, always try to distort the image of God in people. Paul caught on to something. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, our battle isn't against humans. It's never against people because every person matters. But it's against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, the demonic. There's, there's a world out there of darkness. It says, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And what Paul was saying, our battle is never against human beings because people are never the enemy. And if we fail to recognize and define the enemy, we're gonna lose the battle every single time. And Jesus wanted us to understand that every person had value. And when it comes to racial reconciliation, the way that he went about it is that he showed value to one person at a time. And he cared for one person at a time. How else did he do it? Point number two, Jesus broke man-made barriers. In John chapter four, verse 10, it says this, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. If you would only know who's standing right in front of you, if you would only know the changes that I can make in your life, if you would only know the way that I see you, you would have asked me and I would give you living water. And then she gets super practical. This conversation's going on, this dialogue's going on between Jesus and this woman. And, and she gets practical. She's so confused. She says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You see, Jesus's primary goal right here was to break down barriers and he wanted to reveal himself. So how did he break down those barriers? He engaged her heart. He began this dialogue with her and, and he begins to point her to the source. Her real need was living water. Her real need was the savior of the world that was standing right in front of her. Wouldn't you agree, church, that everywhere in our world, in our culture, people are going to the empty water holes of our world. They're, they're going to empty places and we're surrounded by people who are looking for truth and they're looking for guidance. Think about it. They want a world with no racism, no sexism. They want love, peace, and justice. Wouldn't you agree? We all want that too. I want that. You want that. But here's the problem. Can I be honest with you? That world does not exist. In fact, it will eventually. That's Jesus's problem. I mean problem, that's Jesus' promise. And the problem is this, that the world, are want, the world in our culture, they're wanting to see the kingdom, God's kingdom without the king. They're missing it. And, and if you and I, and if you and I and all of our efforts are going to institute change and are gonna be about racial reconciliation and about valuing people, we cannot forget the source because all of that is found in Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus. By the way, our hope is not going to be found in the next president. Our hope is not going to be found in a new governor. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ, the living 
water. And he says, what you need is a living water. And when he talked about living water, he spoke of a person, the person of the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit that indwells the body of believers. He said, that living water, it'll gush outside. Uh, it'll gush out of you. And what you really need is you need me to be real in your life. You need a savior and our culture and our world today, they need a savior. They need Jesus and they need the church to rise up and represent him well. Wouldn't you agree, church? In fact, Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says this. It says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Where is the kingdom of God? Wherever Jesus is Lord. That's where the kingdom of God is. If he is the Lord of your life, you have the kingdom within you because you have the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. But what is it? It's righteousness and peace and joy. Come on, church, who needs more peace? I know I do. Who needs more joy? I know I do. Who needs more righteousness? I know I, I, know I do. What's righteousness? It means right standing with God, but also right living. And where is that found? In the Holy Spirit. It is about peace, joy, and righteousness. And the cross of Jesus Christ is so powerful that not only did it bring us to God and re reconciled us to God, but it was a hammer that broke down all of the man-made barriers that separate us. And when Jesus came and he died on the cross, his desire was that we would become one and that we would all know our value. In fact, the apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter two, two verse 13 says this. He says, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What does that mean? Before we came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we were separate from God. We were dead in our sins. You who were far away, we were brought near by the blood of Christ. What he did on the cross to die for our sin. For he himself is our peace. Who is it? It's Jesus who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and his regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Jesus's purpose was to bring us all together to make us one. In fact, the Bible says there's no distinction between man, woman, Greek, Jew, Gentile. We are all one in Jesus Christ. And Jesus breaks down all man-made barriers because for him, there's not a ladder. The foot of the cross is level. And if you're a Christ follower, I don't know that Jesus gives us an option when it comes to reconciliation and being for one another. In fact, if you think racism is okay, then you really don't know Jesus. Because 1 John 4.20 says this, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And Christians who harbor racism in their attitudes or actions are not following Jesus. Here's another passage. 1 John 4, 8 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. That's the definition of knowing God, right? But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. And in order for me to be a child of God, 
love should be what defines me. And I should love people regardless of their background, regardless of their status. And I don't know about you, but I love our church, man. I love being about a part of a church that values this, that sees a value in every single ethnicity and every single person. In fact, we have a pretty diverse church and I love that crossroads. We have Indonesian people with us. We have Mexican people with us. We have Asian people with us. We have African-American people with us. We have white people with us. We have uh, Spanish people with us, right? In fact, we have an entire ministry every single Sunday morning that I get to be a part of at 11 a.m. that serves the Spanish-speaking part of our church. I always say we're one church with two languages. And in the very beginning of our quarantine, I had this super powerful moment with this woman from Honduras. She was on her last moments of life. And through a Zoom call, I was able to minister to her. We led her to the Lord and she got baptized all through a Zoom call in Honduras, right? And, and she gave her life to Christ and she was baptized and we got to celebrate that. And it was incredible. Not only that, because of our, of our live feed now, we're watching people from Argentina and Mexico and Colombia all make decisions for the Lord. And I love being part of a church that celebrates this and values this because we need to be about breaking down barriers, right? Uh, and Jesus was about that. How else, point number three? Jesus engaged her heart before he changed her mind. This is how Jesus went about doing it. He didn't try to make a point. He went after her heart because when, when he had her heart, her mind changed and it's incredible. Look at, look at, look at this dialogue in this conversation. This is my last point. But it's incredible on this dialogue that, uh, that takes place. In verse 15, it says, Please, sir, this woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water in the middle of the day, right? And then Jesus switches the conversation on her. Look at what it says. He says, go get your husband, Jesus told her. And she's like, well, I don't have a husband, the woman replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you're not even married to the man you're living with now. You've certainly spoken the truth. And Jesus has this personal moment with her. He knew everything about her, including the most intimate details, the most personal details. By the way, guys, Jesus knows everything about you. He knows what you did last night. He knows the hurt that's going on in your life. He knows what you're celebrating and he loves you and he values you. And Jesus was compelled to be here. And in my opinion, he looks her in the eyes and says, I know, I was compelled to be with you today. I see your pain. I see your hurt. And I see that you've been cast aside by five men that you feel abandoned and not seen and you feel as if you have no value. And Jesus looks beyond her race and her sin and saw her value. And he engages her heart because he was compelled to be with her. Now in the midst of all this, this powerful conversation, the disciples come back with Chick-fil-A in their hands. And it says this in John 4, verse 27, it says, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to see him, uh, shocked to find him talking to a woman but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? 
the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village just to see him. Now, I think this is amazing. This one woman's impacted by the Lord. The disciples come back and, and I, I just try to play this out in my brain on how it went, but the disciples were probably on edge. You got an entire Samaritan village coming their way now. They were probably super uncomfortable because in their mind, they were holy. The other people weren't. Right? And in their minds, Jesus shouldn't be talking to them. Jesus couldn't, have, uh, couldn't help that type of people. And you should not waste your time on people like that. But one woman was impacted by the gospel and an entire village comes to see. Now, think about this. The disciples were just in that same village. They were out buying food. How many people did they reach? And in my opinion, they were probably distracted, but I think it's a lot deeper than that because the disciples probably wouldn't have had influence in that village because they were Jews. This one woman, she was a Samaritan. She had relationships. She knew the people in that area. And because Jesus impacted her, she goes and she makes a difference. I believe that's the way that God works in our own lives today. There are people watching online right now. You, you're gonna impact people and you're gonna reach people that I never can because you're relationally connected to them. And this woman was, and she went out and made a difference. And Jesus wants to use your circle of people, wants to use you in your circle of people so that you could show extreme compassion and value because the way to people's heart is always compassion. And church, we have to get this right. If you're a Christ follower, let's stand behind that. Let's be a part of the solution when it comes to uh, racial reconciliation. But more than that, when it comes to valuing people and reaching people with the gospel, because people need living water. Let's stop being loud online and let's be as intentional as Jesus was with people. I want you to think about this. How would your life look different if you and I valued people as the children of God? If we saw every person created in the image of God. If we went and we prayed and asked the Lord, I want you to place one person in front of me every single day because I want to value people one person at a time. I want to show them their worth and I want to engage their hearts. And I'm going to do my best not to try to win an argument, but I want to show care and love so I can engage people's heart. And hopefully the gospel will reach them and change their minds. Who do you have in your life right now that God's put in front of you? This week, I want to encourage all of us to pray. This is my prayer daily. God, put people in front of me that need hope, that are hurting, that need to hear about Jesus. So who has he put in front of you that you need to impact. My encouragement to all of us as a church is to pray, first and foremost, pray and show people value. Oftentimes what'll happen is that God will change your own heart first and he'll open up your eyes to see people the way that he does. What would it look like if you assume the best in people and let them prove you wrong? This week, I want us to be bold and I want us to pray. God, help us be a part of the solution. We're gonna stop being loud online and I wanna be used by you, Lord, because wouldn't you agree that what people in our country and our world need right now is the living water? I love this story and I love the way that Jesus approached people. You know what? On a personal level, I love that, that God 
through Jesus Christ. He looked beyond my sin and he saw my value. And I think this applies because it's so incredible. Jesus moved heaven and earth. He walked on this earth and he became one of us. Why? Because he was breaking every single barrier. And when I look at the person of Jesus Christ now, I could see the face of God and I could see exactly how he feels about people. Why? Because he values people and he broke down every single barrier so that you and I would be in relationship with him. Not only that, he engages our hearts because once you fall in love with Jesus and you see him for who he is, your behavior follows because Jesus isn't about behavior modification. He wants to change your heart and he wants to engage your heart and he wants you to experience an abundant life, a life that is so full of passion and purpose. And the only way that you and I are able to experience that is through the person of Jesus Christ, what he came to do on the cross on that day. And Jesus, he's looking at you today and said, I know your hurt. I know your pain. I know every single thing that you're going through. And you know what? I love you. And I see your value. I see your worth. And I want you to experience transformational change. And the way we do that And the way we're able to step into a relationship with Jesus is through prayer. And in a moment, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you an opportunity to be able to respond in prayer. I don't know where you find yourself in your faith tonight. Maybe you're a Christ follower and for some reason you fell away and you're not close to the Lord. I'm gonna ask you to be bold and come back to Jesus. If you're watching online and you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know you have a heavenly father that knows you by name. He loves you and he sees your worth and he desires a relationship with you. In a moment, I'm gonna pray with you as well. Maybe you're watching online and you've never been baptized by your own choice where you get to experience that with God on a personal level. In a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond that way as well. What I want you to do is get your phone ready though because something happens when you tell people about the decision that you're making. Get your phone ready because I want you to text the word amen to the number 69922. I wanna know who's making this decision. Our team, they wanna give you some material so that you can continue to grow in your walk with Jesus and your relationship with God. And um, something happens when you make this decision public. I want you to get your phone ready. I want you to text the word amen to the number 69922. So let me go to God in prayer. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for everyone that's watching online. I ask Jesus that you would truly stir in people's hearts. I pray that you'd meet people where they're at. God, for those that are watching that have felt that their life has no meaning, or maybe they've been abandoned by family or have been hurt uh, by those around them, God, and um, or, or maybe not even that, maybe the lifestyle that they chose in their mind, they thought to themselves that God could never love someone like me. I know what I've done. I know what I've been a part of. In fact, uh, they even struggled with that this week shame and guilt has filled their lives. God, I pray that they would see your heart, that they would know that they have extreme value and that there's no sin, no error. There's nothing they could have ever done that would make you love them more, uh, less than you are, I mean, more than you already do, God. Uh, I pray that they would see that they're loved by their heavenly father and that you would just begin to restore their confidence. I pray, God, that you would meet people in their living rooms, in their rooms, in their cars, wherever they're watching online right now. God, I pray that you'd meet them there. Right now, if you're right with Jesus, do me a favor and pray for everyone watching online. But if you wanna give your life to Christ 
or if you want to come back to them, then I want you to repeat these words after me. But don't forget to text the word amen to the number 69922. I want to lead you through a prayer. Repeat these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that you love me. And I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to forgive me of all of my sin and to heal me of all of my hurt. Right now I say yes to you. I ask that you'd fill me with your love and that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give you my life. And this I pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Let's praise God for all of the decisions.